every day across the USA, thousands of people quit their jobs. They leave their job for many different reasons. One of the main reasons is dissatisfaction or unhappiness. I looked at some surveys recently and one survey stated that nearly 85% said that they could work harder at their job. More than half claimed they could double their effectiveness if they chose to. One survey stated that only 82% of workers accomplished at least half of their daily planned work. Now, personally, I think it's fitting that I landed on this topic. Uh, one of the things that I cannot stand in the English language is laziness. It's just something that I can't hate. And I know some of you are thinking, well, Jeff, if you hate laziness, how do you love working with students? How do you love working with teenagers? <laughs> just like adults, there are students who want to sit in front of their screens all day and not do anything else, play video games or what have you. However, there are students, I mean, when I was a student in high school, I worked a part-time job. So I not only went to school full-time, had homework and all those things, was very involved in church. I worked 25 hours a week in high school. Uh, we have students who are involved with either a, a part-time job or have extracurricular activities, uh, whether it be music, sports, and I don't mean just school sports, I mean like AAU. So some students are some of the busiest people I know. Now I know some of you are thinking, well, Jeff, if you really hate laziness, how in the world can you work with Josh and Aaron? <laughs> Only by God's grace. <laughs> Last week, as I was looking at the podcast, uh, as I was on vacation, to understand, I took a vacation two weeks ago, but my vacation was taking students to camp. So I am bivocational. I have two jobs. Um, I've had two jobs for as long as I can remember. Uh, there were years that I worked catered part-time. There were years I cleaned offices. There were years that I worked in the ministry, and ministry is my part-time job. And so I think it's fitting that God led this, everything to roll out with Colossians, to roll into me speaking this week. Due to the ever-changing economy and workplace, it's not impossible, but it's very rare to find an individual who stays with one company after 30 plus years and retires with that one company. Now, I know that there are some of you who have done that or will do that, but it's very rare. Um, I am definitely not one of those people. Many people jump ship. They go to work for another company just because they're unhappy. They believe that the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, personally, I like to remind them that the grass is still green on the side that they're on. Many go to work and tolerate it. However, some go to work and even hate it. Wouldn't you love to go to work and love it? Well, you can. Paul teaches us some wonderful truths about how to do that here in Colossians chapter 3. As a review, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul, in the first two chapters, we learned a lot of theology. Chapter 1, Paul shared with us the deity of Christ and how Christ is Lord over his creation and his church. In chapter 2, Paul talked about the sufficiency of Christ in salvation. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul talked 
to the Colossians and he challenged the Colossians as well as us to put on the new life, put on the new life that they have in Christ and put away the old. And then Paul changes his attention to relationships, as Pastor Josh shared last week. So the passage we're looking at is Colossians chapter 3. Uh, it starts in verse 22, but before we go there, this is actually mid-paragraph. So for us to understand the context of where Paul is going, we actually need to go to, to the beginning of the paragraph. I know Pastor Josh shared these verses last week, but we're going to hit them uh, quickly. So if you'll look with me and read with me in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ and, be, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, I know we love to read the, the words on that first verse in 18 at the beginning of this paragraph, and we love to hear, wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> no, we don't like that. Your version might say submission. Um, so to help us understand Scripture, when you're interpreting Scripture, I've got a couple of rules for you. First is do not use the one-verse theology. If you base your beliefs on just one verse to understand Scripture, well, that's going to get you into some trouble. The Bible is a big book that was written over a long span of over 1,500 years with about 40 different authors. Some verses were written during a particular time. Some were written to a particular people. It was, they were written for a particular reason. Uh, some are quotes. Some verses are symbolism. Some are poetry. And not one verse should stand alone. So to, the solution to this is context and balance. You need to read a passage with its full context. As I mentioned in Colossians, Paul early in chapter 3 talked about putting on the new self the new life they have in Christ, and then he changes his focus and asks, is, Lord, is Christ the Lord of your relationships? Well, first he says he's the Lord over your marriage, and then Lord over your family, and then today we'll get to being Lord over your relationships at work between your coworkers and your bosses. But before we do that, we need to make, that's the reason why I went back, to make sure we understood the context here of what Paul is talking about. So when you're trying to understand something, you need to understand the theme of the book, the time it was written, the people it was written to. So once you understand the context, then you want to balance it out. As I mentioned, no one verse should ever stand alone, so you want to look for other verses that are written on the same topic. When you put the meaning of one verse into the greater meaning of the Bible, it all comes together. In other words, don't judge a puzzle by one piece. Not only should you not use one verse theology, don't use Skip a verse theology. Don't leave pieces out of the puzzle. This happens when you get to a verse that you don't like, such as wives submit. When you do that, that puts you into authority and not God. The solution here is humility. Understand that God is God and we are not. That does not mean don't ignore your instincts. If you read something and you're not sure about it, by all means, question it. But when you question it, question it with enough humility and be willing to accept an answer that you might not like. Again, you have to just trust 
that God's way is different than your way. So with humility, let's read these verses again. In verse 18, we read, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. When we read this, understand that the instructions given to couples, the instructions here are short. So remember our rules. Paul is explaining to the Colossians how to put on the new self since we are made in the image of Christ. We learned earlier in chapter 3 and verse 11, it says that we are all made equal and one with Christ. That equality applies to all races, all skin colors, slave, free. And when we apply that with Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, we see it also applies to both male and female. So understand what he's saying, because we read and we think wives submit and husbands, all you have to do is love. Oh, men, you get the easy way out. No, 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 you have to understand what he's talking about here. Understand that submission is not the same as subjugation. Submission is essential to every Christian relationship. It is a dignified act, an expression of humility, respect, and love. These are all essential in marriage. The husband and wife are united to become one, and both are called to an act of sacrifice. Wives are asked to submit to the husband in the home. Husbands, you are asked to love your wives, but you have to finish that as Christ loved the church, which means you put her needs, her wants, her desires before your own, even being willing to lay down your life as Christ did for the church. Ladies, that's the kind of husband you're being called to submit to. Um, let's look in the... And further details, further instructions are in Ephesians chapter 5. We're not going to go there this morning. I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week or if you need a refresher, please listen to the podcast from Pastor Josh last week who gave further instructions in the home. But we'll still go to verse 20. Verse 20 says, children, obey your parents. This is pretty simple to understand. Obey as it is a command from God. And students, kids, this is your responsibility. Trust me, you will understand so much more when you have kids of your own. Then it states in verse 21, fathers. But really, this is for both parents. This is for uh, fathers and mothers. Why? Well, uh, parenting requires you to give commands to your children that they really don't want to obey. Eat your vegetables. Uh, do your homework. Make your bed. Clean up after yourself. Take a shower. Yes, I had to deal with the shower thing at camp. But take a shower. Take a bath. Do this in a way that doesn't make them bitter or discouraged. But parent in such a way that gives your kids confidence, courage, and teaches them um, gratitude. So now, we actually get to the passage for today. So, in verse 22, if you guys will read with me. It states, bond servants, obey in everything um, those who are your earthly masters. Some versions might even say slaves. Let's stop right there. Did I just say slaves, bond servants, and masters? Really? <laughs> yep, this is what scripture says. So before we actually dig into the text for today that applies to us as employee and employer, I want to make sure we tackle this. 
You see, in some circles, the Bible is actually criticized. People actually state that the Bible either uh, supports slavery or it doesn't condemn slavery as it should. So when we read the words, us, slaves, or slavery, we automatically think of what happened here in our country with the American Civil War. Our society still deals with the effects from that dark time in our country, as we are a nation that is divided when it comes to the color of our skin. It was wrong then, and it's wrong now. You have to understand the context of slavery in the Roman Empire was a reality. See, there wasn't a class system as what we have in our country. There wasn't a lower class, a middle class, an upper class, poor, rich. It was the have and the have-nots. It was the rich and the poor. In many cases, it was the rich and the slaves. There also wasn't a large uh, manufacturing or production system to sustain the needs of the society and the people as what we have in our society. The Roman Empire became an empire by conquering other nations. And when they did so, they would plunder and take items from that to use to build their wealth. Then they would also take the people and enslave them. And then as they enslaved them, they would tax them. This is how the Romans became an empire. They fought lots and lots of war, wars, but they also had lots of slave issues and, revol and revolts. So there's a reason why the why Romans, they had a garrison of soldiers uh, around in most areas to keep the peace or keep the so-called peace and to keep control of the people. You see, slavery in Rome was not a racial thing. It was a conquered thing. There was also something else that was called indentured servants or indentured slaves, which is why Paul used the words bond servants. There's financial reasons for this we'll talk about in a second, but I want to make sure we truly understand the topic of slavery and how the Bible addresses it. You see, when we think of slavery, we think of kidnapping people, bringing them here, and then enslaving them. This great tragedy and sin, as I mentioned, turned into the American Civil War. And this is one of the reasons why I raised my children to not look at skin color, but to look at people. It's another reason why when God called us to adopt and we answered his call to adopt, that color didn't matter. Problem is that it does matter to a lot, and it shouldn't. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 16, we read, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Understand that the Bible addresses the kidnapping as well as selling or, or, or making those slaves and it says that this is a capital crime, which means they would be put to death. In the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 1.10, Paul lists these. He says the sexual, uh, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Paul lists enslavers here as something we should not do. Um, the book of Philemon actually addresses slavery in more detail. Understand that Philemon had a bondservant named Onesimus. Onesimus uh, ran away, ran to Rome, somehow got connected with Paul. Paul leads Onesimus to the Lord and encourages him to go back to Philemon. When he does so, understand that Paul knew Philemon. Where was Philemon from? He lived in Colossae. 
So while Paul was writing the letter to the Colossians, he also wrote a letter to Philemon. And in that letter, it's only a couple of books away. If we were to read that, we would see that Paul says, hey, Philemon, I want you to welcome Onesimus back, but not as a bondservant, not as a slave, as a brother in Christ. And whatever he owes you, the debt that he owes, charge that to me. I'll take care of it. Understand, we have to address this topic. There is no biblical justification for slavery at all. Paul also encourages believers to not put yourself in a financial situation that would become a bondservant. So we'll address that. Indentured slaves or bondservants, this is someone who occurred some type of debt. You see, you have to understand, there were not any banks, there were no lending institutions to provide any financial help. So if you inherited or occurred some type of debt, you had to find someone that had money that would help cover that debt. And when you did, they would take care of the debt, but then restitution had to be made. So you became their indentured servant or their indentured slave for a period of time. To help us understand this, because this was something in those days and times was extremely common. Understand there were about 60 million people in Rome at that time who were indentured bond servants or indentured slaves. Um, think of it like this. If you were to sign and join the military, once you sign that dotted line, you're no longer your own. Until that commitment has been fulfilled, if they ask you or tell you you've got to go to somewhere that you really don't want to go, you don't have a choice in the matter. You are theirs until that commitment is fulfilled. It worked the same way as a bondservant. You did what they did, not by force, not by kidnapping, but by choice, but you are theirs during that time. You see, when reading verses in context and balancing, the topic of slavery is addressed in Scripture. Now, we'll finally get to the section for us today. So, in verse 22, we read fully, Bondservants, which is us, you understand that we are bondservants. There is a, as a bondservant in the Romans time, a uh, Roman time that they had a debt that they could not pay. You realize that you and I as believers, we have a debt that we cannot pay back. Christ paid that debt for us. So we as believers are bondservants. In Galatians, um, excuse me, Colossians 322, it says, bond servants obey in everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. First, Paul shows us our attitude. He addresses your attitude and he commands us to obey or submit with sincerity. He's talking about work. The Greek word uh, used here is doulos, which means servant by choice or someone who chooses to work in order to pay back that debt. In 1 John 4.10, we read that God gave us his son as a propitiation for our sins. He paid the price. We are indebted to him, which means that you and I are bondservants. Paul says we should work with sincerity, and that's why he mentions not as people pleasers, not as I ple He says, look, don't do so with just when the boss walks in. Right? Do your job. Do it well, but do it sincerely. You know, I've been to stores where people have been, they have just bent over backwards. They ha did everything that they could to help me 
to help me find this product. I mean, they just went over, above, and beyond. You ever been shopping like that? Yeah, and it's been great. It rep they represented themselves well. They made the company look good. So good that, you know what, I want to go back and, and shop there. I've also been to places to where I couldn't find anyone to help. <laughs> and if I did find someone, they weren't inter interested in helping me. It was, well, you know, that's not my area. Or, yeah, the ice cream machine is always down or stuff like that. What they're really saying is, you know what, something's really more important than you. And that should never be true for us as believers. We should always put our best foot forward and work with sincerity. This is what Paul is saying. This is the reason why you were hired. I think of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, they always respond with not your welcome. They respond with my pleasure. And I've noticed that other companies have tried to take on the same thing, and they try to say that. Well, it just doesn't mean the same because you get a different service, quality of service at Chick-fil-A than you do other fast food restaurants. In Galatians, excuse me, in Genesis chapter 3, um, we find that this is where Adam and Eve sinned, where they fell into sin. What did God do? God said, Eve, you are cursed in childbirth because of the sin. Adam, you are cursed because you're going to sweat while you what? Yeah, while you work. This is when the work became hard. See, we think of work and we think, you know, a lot of people really want to get out of work. They really don't want to be involved in work. Work is our responsibility. You realize that work was made difficult during the fall, but work was created before the fall. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him to work in the Garden of Eden and to work and keep it. This is before the fall. Work became difficult when Adam and Eve sinned. But work was already created. Isn't it interesting to realize and understand that many people who desire not to work, to get out of work, the very first thing that God does to Adam to build character in him is to put him to work. Now, many of you know that building character, how do you do that? You put him to work. I mean, 15 minutes ago, uh, Caleb and Tyler were outside, and John and Jack said, yep, come on. Let's take the tent down. Come on, you're going to do it. And he put the boys to work. Good for you. That's what we're called to do. It's our responsibility. There is nothing wrong with work. It's what God created us for, and it's a responsibility. If you truly hate your job, then I want to encourage you, find out what you're passionate about. Find out what you enjoy. Go to school. Take classes. Get training. But until that time comes, honor God in the job that he has given you now. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, we read, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, enjoyment in his work. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or have enjoyment? This is part of how God shapes me. You see, if you or I didn't work and we had nothing to do, you would end up taking things in life for granted. And sadly, we live in a time period to where people are doing just that. We live in a generation of entitlement. 
who believes and thinks that people owe them something? No. You want it. You have to work for it. You have to actually put forth some effort. It's not my job to sustain you. It is your job to work and sustain you and your family. This is a part of our responsibility as individuals. So not only does Paul tells us, tell us that he's telling us, look, the issue here is not what job you have. The issue here is the attitude you have towards it. That you need to obey with sincerity. And then he reminds us of our motivation. In verse 23, he states, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. He tells us your motivation should be simply work for the Lord. The motivation that should get you up each morning, the motivation that should carry you throughout the day, is that you work for the Lord. Paul uses the word heartily, and the the Greek word for this is for soul. It means from down deep inside you should work heartily. It means from down deep you should work and put forth the effort. Your effort, your work should not be to, I'm going to work because I'm going to make a bunch of money. You know, my goal is to be a millionaire by the time, by the time I'm this age. No. Your goal shouldn't be, well, I'm going because I'm going to be the best employee there, and I want to make sure that people recognize that. I am known for that, and people pat me on the back. No. Your motivation for come, for, should come from down deep inside from a soul that has been redeemed. He says, whatever you do. Now, this verse has been taken out of context so many times. And I understand that people state, oh, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. I don't disagree with that. But Paul here is talking about work. And he is saying, whatever work you do, do it for the Lord. And what he is meaning is it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for it or you're doing something else. Which means when you go to work and you work at home cleaning your house, do it for the Lord. When you cut your grass, do it for the Lord. Why? Because he is saying, whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Which means when you come to church and you're working here in a ministry, and many of you are involved, do it as if you're working for the Lord. In all of your work, if you have the attitude and the motivation of working for him, it changes things. You see, um, our paycheck might state so-and-so company, but really my paycheck should stay State, Jesus, because I should work for him and represent the company well because I represent my earthly, my heavenly father. So when you work, work for the Lord. Why? One is to point people to Jesus. Simple. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is explaining that you are light before men. There is no place truer than the workplace. Do you think your light as a believer shines brighter here or at work? Here, you're around other believers. We are called to be a family and to encourage one another. another. When I am at work, I can promise you, I am one of the few believers who are around. People are watching you. They are watching how you respond to your boss. They are watching how you treat others, believers, non-believers. They're watching you. You don't have to go and shine your light and and jump up and down and say, yes, I'm a Christian. No, they know you're a Christian by the way you work. So not only um, are we called to point people to Jesus, we're also to be a model for others. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, it says, 
for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let them not eat. So not all, only are you called to have the right kind of attitude toward work, the right kind of motivation toward work, but then Paul reminds us of your reward. Your reward is that God will make things right. In verse 24, we read, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, for you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that in this day, in, in the Roman time that we're looking at, that we're reading, bond servants, they didn't receive an inheritance. There wasn't retirement for them. The only ones that received any kind of inheritance were the rich or the noble. Bond servants, we are already a bond servant to Christ. We cannot pay back that debt. But, bond, but Paul says, look, even though you are a bond servant, you have an inheritance. Because you are sons and daughters of the king. And that he will make things right. And we have to trust him for that. See, you have to understand that your reward is not your paycheck. Our reward is God's promise. And we must trust him to make things right. Your paycheck is just a bonus. Not only does he talk about our reward, but then he finishes up with your responsibility. Paul simply says, do the right thing. In verses, uh, the end of the chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So let's start out with the employee. Employee, if you have been given X amount of work to get done and you didn't get it done because you were too busy surfing the internet, too busy hanging out talking to someone else or what have you, guess what? Paul is saying that's wrong. Just do the right thing. He's saying that, you know, let's say if you even got your work done so quickly that you had free time, but your quality was so poor that the shift or the person that came in behind you had to redo it. Well, that's also wrong. He's saying, do your work and do it well. Well, let's say if you don't represent the company well, or maybe you don't treat people well, or people don't even want to work with you because they know what kind of worker you've been. That's wrong. A believer who is an employee should be an example to others by simply doing what's right. The employer, if you're an employer, you have your own business. If you don't pay your employees well, that's wrong. God's word says that you should be just and fair. I don't care what society says. You need to do what's right before Christ. You need to provide the right equipment, the right environment, provide time off, all those things that a good company or a good employer does. Because if you don't, Paul is saying it's wrong. The passage then states without partiality. Paul reminds employers, you serve 
a greater master. Now, I completely understand that there are those of you who have your own business. And unlike an employee, an employee will go home and leave work at work and not take it home with them. Someone who has their own business, this was your concept, your idea, you dreamt it up. Your name is on the line. Your money is on the line. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, you know what? It's my business. I can run it how I see fit. Well, according to verse 1, I would say no. Why? Because you have an, uh, someone to answer to. Because even though it's your own business, everyone answers to someone. And you have to answer to God. Employees, you need to work for the Lord and get things accomplished. That's what you were hired for. That's what you agreed to do. Employers, you need to take things before the Lord and ask if you are treating your employees and doing right by them. Not by the world standards, but by God's standards. You see, some people hate work. <laughs> Sadly to them, it is a drudgery. And they will try to do everything possible to get out of it. Others, they love it so much, they work all the time and they become workaholics. The question here is, how do I approach my work? Do I do it with sincerity? Do I do it with genuineness? Do I do it as I'm working for the Lord? How do you approach that? Because your faith is on display. Paul explains that we are to be submissive uh, to work with sincerity and to work with the right motive from your soul and not for men. To be consistent day in and day out. Now, trust me, I understand there are some days, look, I'm not 100%. You know, I, I'm, I just barely made it on time. I get it. We all have those days. I don't know anyone who can give 100%, 100% of the time. But on a consistent basis, this is what we're called to do. You see, sadly, there are millions of Americans who work with a minimal passion in their jobs. They have bad attitudes, poor customer service. They hate their bosses or their coworkers. They hate the dress code. They hate the location. They lie, cheat, steal just to get ahead, and they do whatever they can just to impress their bosses so that they can be a success in the eyes of the world. And sadly, many of these people call themselves Christians. These type of believers, their allegiance is not to God, it's not to their company, it is to themselves. And we as believers can change and should change the workplace. We can do so if we have the right attitude and the right motivation to our jobs and to our work. The question is, what kind of worker are you? Now, I was going to close differently, but I'm just going to give a personal testimony. Now, I know that this is how the Holy Spirit's leading me, so I'm just going to share. And we're good on time, so I've got a few minutes I can share. I shared exactly what God led me to share as far as the points. We addressed your attitude toward work, your motivation. Paul shares the reward, and he also shares your responsibility. And I know that many of you could stand up and give testimony as far as toward your job, how God has blessed you, what God has done for you, understand, I have been there and am there. I mentioned that I work two jobs. My full-time job is not ministry, even though ministry is a full-time job. You guys with me? So I work a secular company. I work for Wolfspeed. I was previously called Cree. I've been in the semiconductor manufacturing industry for 22 years. I've been with this company for 15 
what happened years ago? Why did I leave the former company? Well, because we were bought out and our jobs were shipped overseas and we were no longer uh, had a job. So I had to move to a different company. I moved there. I was hired as a technician. I have worked like some of you. I have worked a second shift. I have worked first shift. I have worked third shift. When I first started, I was working uh, five days a week, third shift, and going to school during the day. And then we changed and went to 12-hour shifts. I have worked 12-hour shifts during the day, the rotating shifts. Like some of you, I have worked 12-hour shifts at night. And in between, I was heavily involved at church and was involved uh, and had part-time jobs. I understand work. How many of you have ever worked in a tobacco field? Oh, yeah, I got a few of you. Yeah, so those who raised their hands, they know how to work, okay? I lasted for about a day. I helped a friend out, but hey, I can say that I've worked in a tobacco field. I helped him out, and I was like, brother, I'm not helping you anymore. All right. <laughs> but I've been there. I've done that. I mentioned when I was in, in school, I worked a part-time job. I've worked, like many of you, all my life. But I can tell you that God has blessed me tremendously. It is because God has given me a job that I can support my family and put a roof over their heads and provide for their needs. It is because of a job I can give to this church and further the kingdom of Christ. And I can give to others who are actually in need because God has given me a job. As I was hired as a technician, I've been with them long enough to where when we first started, we were research and development. We were R&D. We have since grown, Cree is no longer there. It's Wolf Speed. Why? Cree was known for LEDs. Now, the, comp the, the products that we first started developing, we make computer chips, by the way, that we first started developing, now we are the focus. The focus so much that all the electrical vehicles, solar panels, uh, electrical charging stations, we help support that. We are part of that industry. And they have a new manufacturing plant that they are putting in upstate New York. It is now open. And the department that I was starting in, in research and development, since our products became the focus, we went from a little bit of production to now we are full force. They've opened a new manufacturing plant and everything. And I was like, yep, I am not going to upstate New York. I'm talking upstate New York to where you can look out and see Canada, see the, the, line, the, the uh, country line. Uh, County line, count something like that. We can see the line there where Canada is. Yeah, the country line. You can tell I'm from Steele. Um, but there was no way I was going to go to New York. So what did I do? See, understand that I was hired as a technician. I do not have an engineering degree. Like some of you, your jobs and your degrees are completely opposite. Some of you are blessed to where you went to school for nursing or what have you, and you have a job in that field. I do not. I have a job in ministry. Thank God for ministry, but I became an engineer. Do I have an engineering degree? No, but that's just an example of how I, through work, through effort, through just coming and doing my job and doing it the right way, they promoted me to an engineer. I am grateful. I knew that when I left my department that I would take a step down and be a technician. So there was no way I was going to New York. A little over a year ago, I applied for a technician position. We talked about the possibility of moving back to an engineer. That was fine. I had settled that. I knew I was going to take a step down, and it was okay. Two weeks later, I got an email from HR that said that I had applied for an engineering position. 
So what happened was that they hired me as an engineer and I made a lateral move. Trust me, I do not have an engineering degree. This is not me thing. This was a complete God thing. Do I deserve it? No. But I'm going to work and I'm going to work hard each and every day? Yes, because God has blessed me and I know that I am an example to the others. And I'm going to continue going to work and doing so. Why? Because I work for him. I don't work for wolf speed. I work for the Lord. And I'm sharing this, not in a bragging way, just sharing that God's blessed me. And he's done so because I work. How do you approach your job? So my next step is I'll be managing technicians just like I was a technician at once. And that's fine. And I'm going to challenge them like I'm challenging you. Who do you work for? Do you work for Wolfsby? Do you work for your own company? Or do you work for the Lord? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, for that we can look at a topic that we normally, Lord, would not look at, would not really discuss. But because we have been called to preach expositorily, Lord, we fully believe that when we preach through a book, Lord, we need to preach all things through it. We don't skip over things, Lord. We talk about tough subjects, difficult subjects, and odd subjects. But Father, even though most people don't really preach about work, Father, it is a reality that we are all called to work. It is our responsibility that you have created us for, that you have given to us. And Father, it is my prayer that you would help us as believers to go to work and work for you. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.